0: Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today, our guest is Emeric, the founder and CEO at Agora Pulse. Hello.
1: Hello, Christian. Good to see you.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, but at first, please tell us what is Agora Pulse.
1: Uh, Agora Pulse is a social media management software. So it's basically a piece of software that you can use on your browser because it's software as a service that helps you manage your social media profile. So if you are a business and you have a Facebook page or several Facebook pages and Instagram accounts and YouTube channel and LinkedIn and TikTok and Pinterest and so WhatsApp and and uh and so on and so forth and X, X or Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um and you can you can post on on, on all of these social profiles from one location. You can have a content calendar that's showing you when you're gonna post what on what profile at what time and uh, you can anticipate uh, specific events in the month that you want to be ready for having you know, the right piece of content or event for your company or event for your country or event for whatever. And you can also collaborate in having people uh, propose a draft and other people approve the draft or get okay. back on the draft or enhance the draft. If you're an agency, uh, you can do that with your customer and be more, co- much more collaborative. So that's all, I'm, And there's plenty of features on that. I'm not going to get into the weed of that because it's uh, uh, quite comprehensive yes. for the publishing side of things. Then you have the monitoring, engagement monitoring. So it's everybody who's going to put a comment on your content, is going to give you a review on Google My Business, for example. Okay. Um, or soon others, because we're looking at other review sites to incorporate into the tool. Because you know, review sites are social media in a way. It's people expressing themselves uh, well, easily uh, and freely on on the web, like they could do b- because of um, uh, of uh, the Web two revolution we had ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, um, private message on Twitter, private message on TikTok, private no on on Instagram, private message on Facebook private message on LinkedIn now because you have private message on LinkedIn nice. as well. So it's all the interactions and communication that, that are happening between you and your audience around your social profiles themselves and the content you post there. And then you have um, the listening side, which is basically you listening on keywords and hashtags and mentions and who who's okay. is, who is talking about my brand or my competition in what terms and so on and so forth. So that's the listening part not to confuse with the monitoring engagement, monitoring part, which I described a minute ago, and then you have everything about reporting. So what's working, what piece of content is getting the most reach, the most impressions, sending the most traffic to my website, which conversation when, when I intend this conversation to be driving traffic to my website. So let's take an example. Um, you are, um, um, Wedding planner, and okay. you have a, a Twitter search that says a wedding planner. So every time someone on Twitter in your area is is mentioning, I'm looking for a wedding planner. Does anybody know a wedding planner? Well, you're gonna get an alert, and you're gonna be able to, say, hey, you know, happy to help. Here's my website. Well, you're gonna be able to track the click the clicks on that website if people ask for ask for a meeting or ask for to be called back or whatever it is. So you can basically start tracking what actions. Whether they are uh, through my post, my content, or they are, they are through a listening strategy or tactic, or they are through engaging with my audience, is driving traffic conversion and revenue. And, and, and obviously, are you growing your, your audience? Are you getting more impressions? So it's all the reporting. Again, trying to summarize super fast, yes. <laughs> but everything about... Is this working or not? So just, just to give you context, the, the vision for the product and for the company is to help people um, measure and see the business impact of what they're doing on social media. Long story short, that's what we're trying to achieve and, and solve in the world. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for explaining. I appreciate Out of all these features that you mentioned, what do you say are the most loved top three? Let's say
1: the most loved. Yes, by our customers, the most used. Um I think what they love the most is that it makes their life easier. It saves them a ton of time. Uh and they 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 don't have FOMO anymore. Fear of missing out, fear oh my God, did I see everything? Did I respond oh, to everything? Yeah. So yes. there's definitely a fear there. And we're helping them get rid of that because we're organizing everything and telling them this is what's left, this is what we you missed, this is what your team has missed, this is what your team has done. So there's a lot of um uh Release of pressure for the marketers and the social media professionals who are working on making sure that everything on social media on their companies or their clients side is 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 kept clean and and they, they stay on top of it uh, there's definitely a sense of being better organized with the content publishing when you work at especially when you work as a team or you work with customers or you work with an approval process it is structured and it's organized and you don't have to worry about Again, something yes. slipping through the cracks or anything. And um, on the reporting side, I know that we have customers who, who told us that before us, they were spending like four or five hours a week on creating the reports based on wow. you know, going on each social network, gathering all the data and CSVs and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, now they, they, they do that in in a matter of minutes basically and they create the reports that they need to see they get them automatically generated at any given a given day of the week yes they get them sent via email automatically to you your customer your boss whatever so basically now the reporting that used to take them for five hours is is, is a matter of minutes and it's done for you every weekend so (laughs) i think what they like the most is like we have to do that stuff uh it's very time consuming and it's not a great use of our expensive time because we are human beings doing stuff manually for us and we're paid as you know western western people human beings whether it's europe or north america we're more expensive uh, than than uh in, in 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 some countries in asia or africa so if you do that work and, and you're 30 hours an hour or 40 hour 40 dollars an hour or 50 or whatever is your price per hour and not three four five uh, it's not a best use of your time to do copy-pasting of data from Facebook to a spreadsheet and then do. You know yes. what I mean? So yeah. that, that you want to be focusing on the strategy and the content creation and why and how and and aligning this with the, where the company wants to go. And so we're we're basically trying removing all that stuff which is low end value that that a piece of software should be doing basically and allowing them to go their value up in the in the in the scale of. Um, um, the the to-do list that they have and just be able to focus more time on the stuff where they bring the most value and focus less time and save time on the stuff where they they don't bring the most value.
0: That's amazing. I love it. Uh, How about the customers? Usually, who is your uh, client? Let's say mostly agencies.
1: Yeah agencies are 30% of our customer base so it's a pretty it's a pretty large uh, ideal customer profile ICP as you call yes. them as we call them and um for the rest we have it's a large variety but if i had to identify the most the best customer for us it's usually um companies that have uh, uh an offline presence with multiple locations so that's going to be retail or hotels okay. or campgrounds or you know, that that kind of business because they usually have one social profile per location on each network on, on facebook on instagram whatever else network they have and um uh, google my business for reviews that kind of stuff so that means that they have a lot of volume they have a lot of presence which which is a headache to manage and, and a piece of software in that in that sense is really solving a big problem for you it's solving a much bigger problem than, than if you have one facebook one instagram one linkedin nice. which is a, a a smaller it's small a smaller problem for you to solve so that's also ideal we have a bunch of governments uh and and public institution wow. um yeah it's it's quite a it's quite a big um it's quite a big segment for us which is interesting um i think Governments in general have a duty to their um, to their people and to the people that they are administering and they are expected to respond to their questions and they are expected Mm -hmm. to provide them with the information that they need. So I think there is like it's it's, as a private business, I don't have to let the world know about what I'm doing. Uh, And if I don't respond to you, you're going to say, you know, F you, I'm going to buy from someone else. But right. as a government, there's no someone else you can buy from, right <laughs> You're not going to fire your <laughs> prime minister because it, you're just going to hit them and not vote for them. So I think there's there's a lot, of, there's a lot more demand on the, the need of communication from public entities, so that's probably why. And uh, yeah, that, you know, that's pretty much it uh, in terms of the the ideals, but then we have we have e-commerce customers uh, as well, uh, nonprofit okay. like it, it's all over the place. there's not really a vertical which is interesting in our industry that there are not a lot of companies like us like us who have chosen a vertical and say we are social media management for x x being you know e-commerce retail or anything um there is one company that that's specifically focusing on b2b that's an interesting one but it's only one out of dozens and dozens well and then there is a segment that's very focused on Local marketing, think can call it this way. So they go especially after retail and 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 and, and brick and mortar businesses. Mm-hmm. And but they do a lot more than social. They do review management. They do local advertising. They do, yes. uh, ta, you know, um, ta, managing or uh, management managing the the Yelp and, and the Google, my business and all the different profiles where you have, you know, opening hours and, and directions and addresses. So it's, it's kind of related industry or a related type of service, but, but a little bit different as well. So that, that's, um, that's what our industry is, is made of. And, and, uh, those are the customers
0: we serve. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate the transparency. How about the pricing? How does it work? And uh, do you have a free trial for somebody that's just yeah. with one account?
1: We oh, have a important. free trial for you. Can you can try for two weeks, and then you can renew for two weeks. So overall, you can try for uh, a month, and okay. um, which I think is a better option because if you start a free trial and then oh, shit something happens, you don't have time. But you, you're not stuck within the next thirty days, and then you can try anymore. You can you have a second chance. I would say this way. Nice. Um, and then we even have a free product. So if you're if you don't feel you're ready and you just want to you know look around, see how it it is, you can just do the free the free the freemium. You don't have to go. You don't even have to start a trial. And then the the, the entry level price, if you subscribe for on an annual basis, is forty nine a month for for one user, uh, up to I forgot the number of social profiles. If it's five or ten, you know whatever it is um and then it is um 179 and then it's 119 per user and at the 119 per user per on an annual basis it's going to be 149 if you pay on a monthly basis you basically have everything in in yeah. the feature set um it's really the top of the top so it's it's very affordable if i put it this way for something that's really and it it should be more expensive if if you ask me um (laughs) for for a product that is really offering everything in the kitchen sink at that price obviously if you need two users then you're going to pay uh, 300 if you need three 450 so depending on 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 your team size it's going to be more expensive and then we have a price for um more larger customers where you're, you're going to have features like SSO or customer success that's provided and training and all that stuff. And that's it. That pricing is, depends on how many users yeah. you have, how many profiles. And we do custom We do custom pricing. Custom pricing usually ranging anywhere between 500 and 3,000 a month or 4,000 a month sometimes for very, very large customers with a lot of users and a lot of uh, very big social presence. Okay.
0: And uh, i love to know how competitive is your space the social media management space?
1: It's very competitive, but I, in frankly, in 2024, show me a space that is not competitive. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any. And every time there is someone who is emerging and they're kind of the best and they're kind of alone on their space and they can, you know, three, four years down the road, there are a dozen of competitors that are popping up left and right. Yes. Um, I, I, interestingly enough, I was, every time I, I, as a buyer, I see something I'm buying, like for example i love kite surfing you probably saw that about me yes. in my linkedin profile yes yes i've been learning wing foiling which is you know kind of the an evolution of kite surfing and windsurfing you're on a foil board you hold the the the, the kite with your hands instead okay. of having it uh, um, at the end of the long lines so i'm learning that and i'm going to sail in the caribbean lucky me in february so I, and it's going to be two weeks. so i want to Perfect my my wing foiling um, uh, practice and, and expertise. So I'm trying to buy a wing foil. And for the whole, you ask me how was the, the holiday season. I basically spent 15 hours on my phone during the three day weekend we had twice, looking at wing foiling equipment. I discovered wing foiling brands I didn't have a clue existed, like five of them. And I'm like, it's a night, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny micro market. That I don't know. <laughs> maybe the biggest of those companies is is having 20 employees. Or something like that yeah yeah and, and and i i was looking at that and i was looking at this i don't know we're probably looking at 20 brands for a super tiny niche market and i was feeling my market is not competitive at all compared to their market <laughs> and the the total addressable market in terms of value is like a, it's 10 percent of mine yes, or or maybe course. less so <laughs> Long story short because I was I was amused by that when I was taking that for my own needs and say oh my god this is so freaking competitive Then I felt yeah mine is competitive but frankly it's okay.
0: <laughs> that's a great answer. Hmm. But w- what do you think will
1: help you make the decision on which one to choose? Uh, oh, oh me on the on those yes, and that's the yes. problem when there's so much competition you're looking for reviews and you're looking at price and that's pretty much it. So it is. It is something that we are definitely paying a lot of attention on the market, um, making sure that we have good reviews. We make sure your customers are uber happy about you, and 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 that and they tell the world. That's number one. And number two is you know be have the right price positioning based on who you're going after and who your competitors are going after. So don't be the cheap. If you're the cheapest, you're going to be perceived as the cheapest. So the yes. cheap options are usually we usually we rarely compete with them on the, on the, uh, higher end of the market. We compete with, uh, with, the uh, the bigger brands, but with the bigger brands, the ones that are, that have raised a ton of money, like the Sprout and the Hootsuite are, our, our advantage is that we, we have not raised a ton of money. We are not at 250 or $300 million AR annual recurring revenue. So we have more margin for being closer to our, customer to our prospect needs in terms of budget. So we have people who say, well, I can spend 800 a month on the social media management software, but I cannot spend 3000. And that's what they're asking me for. So you can adapt, you can be better. You can You can be a better fit for a specific segment in the market where while they're going after enterprise companies like much larger companies you can you can go after the 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 middle of the market like smaller companies yes who are going to have needs and who are going to be ready to pay for those needs but not like i would not pay three thousand a month for a social media management software myself and we're making 21 million a year uh, so we're still we're not super small, but we're not super big either. And I, my, in my in my mind, I know how much I would pay for a CRM. I, I know how I know how much I pay for a CRM for email marketing for all these things. And I know that I have a um, a, a price in my head every time I look at a product. Of course, based on the value I'm getting for it. And and if you are in the twenty million revenue range, you the price in your head is absolutely not the same than if you are in the two hundred million range. Or the two billion rate. Like, if you're talking to a company that's making two billion a year, and you're telling them my my product is five k a month, they're going to say, ha, 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 ha. Uh, "That's it, yeah, nothing yeah. else." So if yeah. you're talking to a company that's making a million a year, and you tell them my product is five five k a month, they're going to say, what, the, "What? Are you crazy?" So, it it really depends on 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 who you right. who you're going <laughs> after and how you're going after them. So um, uh, pricing is, is very important and you have to be very strategic about deciding on your pricing. That's for sure. And uh, so customer review, pricing, and finally, um, uh, feature coverage. Like when you, for example, when you're going after larger businesses, which we started to do two years ago, they're going to need features that l- the low end of the market does not offer. For example, SSO, you know, single sign-on. Yes. You yes. have to offer single sign-on. Uh, you have to offer more advanced reporting options. You have to offer an API. You have to offer a certain number of things, and uh, building those features and offering them to the segment you are going after is going is to make them choose you and not someone else who doesn't have them. So it's kind of in, in that in that quadrant of my price, my future coverage, and how people, what the good things people say about me, that's going to be um, how you differentiate in the, in the segment you're going after. So it's, it's a long answer because it's not an easy answer.
0: Yeah, I appreciate but Then
1: it. Obviously also what you want to have is you want to have unique, you know, you want to have stuff that's unique to you and for us, the unique thing, actually filed a patent in the U S is that we have wow. a report. We have a reporting product that reports on social media return on investments, like how much money, how okay. much money are you making from social media? I mean, actual revenue, not, not, not guessed or estimated like the actual revenue you converted from social media wow. and, wow. uh, uh, web conversions, you know, online events, subscriptions or registrations or free trials, number of trials we got from social media and so on and so forth. So that is something that we built two years ago. And uh, it's totally aligned with the vision I mentioned to you earlier, proving yes. the business impact of social media to the people who are working on social media for them, for their companies or their customers. And that's unique to us. No other tool does that. And, and if they start using it, I'm going to sue them in the U.S. for um, uh, patent infringement. Yeah, so of course. let's have fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm an ex-lawyer, so I'd love to do that and get back to my roots. Wow! Well, wow. uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that
0: later in the podcast. But now I want to to hear the company story. So basically, yeah. how we started it?
1: Oh, that's a long story. I'm going to try to make it super short. Yes. And as, you can, <laughs> as you can see now, I could I could be very chatty. Um, so the company started in like uh, in 2000 with my co-founder Ben, mm-hmm. who's, who's been our CTO for 20 years. 2000. Yeah. yeah. In July of 2000, we started so Affinity. It's, it's older than me. was the first business. <laughs> and uh affinities never really worked so we closed we closed shop of affinities in 2012 or 2013 2012 maybe i'm not i'm not 100% sure uh and we started agorapulse on on the on the dead body of affinities basically affinities mr funded the beginning of agorapulse in 20 at the end of 2011 so we launched agorapulse at the end of 2011 okay and we eventually broke even in 2015 so it took us um, it took us almost four years to break even we broke even at 100k mr um at 10 10 employees i think we were at the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 10 or 12 and um uh and since then you know we've been growing from 100k and we're now 1.7 something million uh mr and um, yeah, it, it's 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 now a success, a certain level of success. You, you you're always yeah. more successful than pe- some people, and not as successful as some other people. So you're always older than many people and younger than many people. Right? It's Like you're yeah. always somewhere. You're not the you're never the last one or the first one. So we 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 have some level of success at 21 million AR for sure, and we have 175 employees. But and and the
0: company is uh, older than me because I was born in 2002. So. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. You're right. The the company (laughs) is 20 is 23 years old. It it was registered in July of 2020. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Ben and I we met in New York in 1993, so that was a long, long time ago. That's how the story got started. We I mean, failed I mean, during all these years with Affinities, our first business between 2000 and 2011. It was in 2011 we were making 140,000 of annual revenue, 140,000 euros of annual revenue. Today, agorapulse makes 140,000 of revenue in one day and a half. Uh, we used to take, it used to take a year for us to make that kind of money. So definitely we failed and it was hard for a very long time. It was a struggle for a very long time. Ben and I, we paid ourselves minimum wage for like a decade. Almost, uh, we had to do other side gigs and other jobs and yeah. freelance job to la- be able to live and, 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 and keep uh, a roof on our heads. Now we're in a good place, but it's, it's 23 years later. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's an overnight success that took 20 years. Yes. Making. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I, I love that mindset, and people need to see the reality, not just uh, the numbers. And yeah, yeah, it took you twenty-three years—amazing. How big is the overall team right now? One hundred and seventy-five.
1: How many? One hundred and seventy-five.
0: Wow, wow, that's mm-hmm. a lot. And how do you describe the culture?
1: Uh, well, first of all, the culture when you're when you're when you're small, when you're ten, twelve, fifteen, the culture happens. The culture is there. Uh, yes. The culture is 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 basically. Your behaviors as a founder, especially when you're a very, very small team, the behaviors of the founder are the culture because the the what they they what they do, what they say, what 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 they what they show themselves is gonna is gonna build the culture. So in the early days, the culture is your behavior and who you are. It's your personality, most of it. So for example, in our culture today, in your values today, I'm sorry. We have two things. One is freaking care and the other is just own it. Like own your stuff, right? Own your shit. If I pardon, can pardon yes, my... Yes, it's head. okay. Um, <laughs> that is totally who I am. I own my stuff. When I make a mistake, I say, whoops, my mistake. That's me. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I messed up. This is what I'm planning to do to fix it. Oh, let's and do. Uh, when I take something on, I take it from start to finish. Nobody has to come in and clean behind me because it's going to be done and well done at the end. Yes. Uh, so this ownership thing is really a value I have that is now a company value, but it's very, very um, uh, something I I brought to the culture and and Ben as well, and um, and the and the caring is is the same thing. I'm someone who cares. I cares about I care about the people who work for us. I care about our customers and our prospects. I care about people having a great experience working for us, uh, using our products, uh, interacting with us for any reason whatsoever. You know, applying for a job, like anything. I care that we do the right thing for them. And obviously we also do the right thing for the company. And sometimes there's conflict there, but um, that's your job as a leader to address that conflict. So those values that we eventually uh, started to put on paper in 2016, they were the the extrapolation of the culture that was already in place. It was already existing. (laughs) So what I usually say to founders, I tell them, um, Try to identify as early as possible what is that makes your team your team. what are the characteristics and the criteria that they would use to describe themselves? So what an exercise you can do. We've changed our values three times. One time in 2016, once in 2019, and once in, in, in July of 2023, uh, very recently. And uh, we've done okay. we've done it different ways every single time. But one way that's very cheap and anybody can do is like send a Google forum to your team and ask them to give you 10 keywords of what characterizes them as their professional values and they're going to give you give you keywords like you know ethics and honesty whatever it is and then group them in themes and say oh here are the themes that we saw in your professional values does that fit does that ring a bell and that's how we did we we decided on our second set of values and eventually tell them okay based on all the keywords that you shared these are the the main keywords that we identified that are common to all of us does that sound like good company values for you? And then here you are. You've just built company values in two hours, uh, or in, you know, in, in four, uh, in three 45 minute segments. And, and that's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of time. And it has the big advantage of um, formalizing something that's informal in the early days, but suddenly can have, you can call and, and, and. and and look at and think about and discuss and say, are we aligned with this value when we decide this or that and so on and so forth. So I think it's really important to try to formalize them in some way, because they're (laughs) they're always non-formal in the early days.
0: Thank you for this insight. I think Mm it will be really helpful for founders. From my research, I know that uh, you basically are a bootstrap company, but raised a bit in uh, 2016, if I'm not mistaken so i'm I'm curious to know why didn't you raise more and go for growth and well, follow that we path
1: We never raised money for the company okay. so we it's... raised secondary money in twenty sixteen in twenty nineteen okay. yeah okay, secondary money meaning that new investors came in and replaced the business angels that invested in the first business in affinities in ah, twenty okay. in two thousand and one and in wow. two thousand and nine so investors came in and replaced them um that was that was one thing. And my co-founder and I, we got a little out of money from, you know, we took a little bit of money from on the table. Uh, The main reason is because in 2019, it had been 20 years, uh, 19 years since we started building businesses. And Ben and I, we had nothing in our name. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a house. We didn't have wow. nothing. I had basically 15K on my bank account, period. That's all I had. Wow. So when you've been busting your ass to build a business and investing everything you have and and giving up on your personal life and your friends and your vacation and everything else and giving up on a lawyer's job, which I used to have that, that was paying me very, very, very well. And if I had stayed a lawyer, I would be millionaire today, probably because, you know, Top MA lawyers in, in American law firm. They make a lot of money. Giving up on all that and having nothing to show for it at 45 years old, that was that was quite challenging for us. Wow. And we were getting to a point where we thought, hey, maybe we should sell. So, like, so we secure the stuff we've built. And we had offered to buy the company at, at a pretty, pretty good valuation. I can uh, imagine. It was between it was 40 planned. and 50 million at the time. Yeah. And when you get there, you have this fear of losing it all. And, and we decided that we had to secure some money so we could accept to keep going and keep taking risks. So that's what, that's what, that's what this was It's giving us the energy and putting the fear away so we could keep taking risk and moving on and taking the company to 50 million, hundred million without, um, being. Blocked by that inner fear. Oh my God! What if I make the right the wrong decision and it all goes to bust? I'm going to lose everything. Let's yes. not make this risky decision. And so on. yes,
0: okay, yeah. makes total sense. I I really appreciate the honesty. This is really helpful. uh And are you still thinking of selling it, or is is it a vision just to grow yeah. it and keep it? Uh... The
1: business always ends up being sold, whether to the market through an IPO, or whether through a, an acquirer, or whether through your employees, through an MBO, or I mean. In 2024, there are very, very few businesses that you build to give it to your kids, right? Like it's, it's those exist. I'm not saying they don't exist, but they're rare. And I think in tech, it's kind of silly to build a tech business and say, this is for my kids. Your kids? I mean, the tech your kids are going to live with does not even exist yet. How can you do that? <laughs> well, of course, if you're if you're having an agricultural uh, empire exactly. or, a, a, you know, even a closing, a fashion empire, maybe a fashion empire or luxury empire like uh, yes. Louis Vuitton. Maybe that you can build and give to your kids because there is a certain amount of sustainability behind that, bi- that business not going to go away overnight. But in yeah. tech, please, I mean, tech businesses today, they, if they keep doing what they do in 50 years, they're all dead, right? They're all they're, they're, So, so it makes You're a little right. sense. So they, this business will probably, if it sticks around, it, it will probably be doing something completely different in 20 years. Like it is doing today, something completely different than 10 years ago. And uh, because of that, I think. You know, you always have to be open to whatever is the best for transforming that business to what it should become um, uh, to go to the next step, especially in tech.
0: (laughs) You're amazing. This is amazing. I love it. I love it. Uh, Can you please tell us how you started your career? Basically, you mentioned that you're a lawyer, but uh, please tell us how you started after college, let's say, or high school.
1: Yeah, very similar. W- I was in a boarding school uh, in France. It's the same boarding school our president went to. Macron went to that boarding school a couple of years after me because he's younger than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I studied uh, after I, I went up to the end of high school. And at the end of high school, I had no clue whatsoever what to do with my life. Um, I went to do, to see a, psycho- a psychologist, and she give she I had a I passed it. I had a test. And um, and uh, the test, it was an IQ test or something like that. And apparently okay. it had a good IQ. I'm not, not going to brag about the number. I forgot what it was, but it was good. But, and yeah. she said, oh, you're very smart. You should do this and that school because, you know, super high-end school. Like it was called Sciences Po in French. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, fine. You know, I heard about it. It sounds cool. It I look, looks cool. What do I need to do to get there? So well, you either go to university or you go to a specific uh, prep, prep class where you're going to go to... Uh, like lots of work and you know say okay lots of work why not so i i went to prep class it's called Ipocaine, Um and i went to uh, a university i said with university well either history or, or law or well, history no fucking way because if i fail i'm going to be a history teacher i'm not going to be a history teacher that was not in my dna i didn't feel like one uh, yeah. lawyer my grandfather was a lawyer my great 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 grandfather was a lawyer said, yeah okay fine that sounds like a that sounds like a good enough job i didn't no, I had no idea what it was up, yeah So well, that's how i decided to go to law school to, to to register for law school and prep preparatory class eventually in the summertime i was a boy scout at the time and my chief who, who is someone i love them i love i love very much told me oh don't go there don't go to prep class too much work go to university I said oh yeah you're right i don't i want to have a life i went to university that's how i ended up in law school like very, see i had a vision for my life no absolutely not i just i just <laughs> didn't know what i was doing and i I just followed the advice of people around me. Of course, and eventually, university law school went well for me. I, I, I got great grades, and I went through the, the seven years of of studies with with no problem. Always in the top ten percent of my class. So apparently, it was it was made for me, or I was made for it. I don't know. And okay. I, I passed the bar. I got the Paris the Paris bar, and and yeah, started my career in Washington D.C. in an American law firm. Then went back to Paris, and And four years later, I was starting my first business. That's it. The rest is history.
0: What made the change from having a secure job as a lawyer, making very good money to risking it all and working 20 years? uh... Some
1: people (laughs) discover that some people are not entrepreneurs in their DNA, but because of life they become one and they discover they actually can become one but they didn't have that in their dna and some people have that in their dna i'm the second part i'm the i'm the i'm among the ones who had that in their dna i've always had uh um a wish for leadership i always wanted to lead and take a team and hey guys let's do this it's amazing and let's build this together when i I was, then I I told you about I was a Boy Scout and I became a Boy Scout chief. So I was leading a team of 30 young kids. Uh, We were (laughs) sailing at the time and let's go sail over there and over there. And let's have two weeks in the south of France on the Riviera. I'll drive all the boats down there. I always had to put together crazy projects and, you know, and challenges. And so it's whatever I was doing, it had to be a challenge and it had to be, it had to be a project that was exciting me and I, And I had to bring people in with me to carry on that crazy project. So I think that was totally was in my DNA. And uh, you can do that as a lawyer. You can start your own law firm. But when I started to balance the pros and cons of starting your own law firm or starting a product company, I thought that starting a product company, um, wait, not the... The, the pros outweigh the pros of the law firm because you have, in both cases, you have the issues of being an employer. You have the issues of finding a new customer. You have the issues of chasing revenue and yes. making sure they pay you. So you basically have all the issues of being a business owner, but you don't have the upside of building a business that does not rely on you or building a business that you actually can sell because it has intrinsic value. Where a law firm does not have a lot of interesting value. So. When you took all the pros and cons, it's, it it felt like it was better for the long term to build a product business than a service business. Uh, what I didn't realize is like building a service business can work pretty fast, and the product business can take a decade to work. And that that one I didn't know when I started. So, but it's more it's scalable. Fine. Yeah, if you had told me day one it's going to take you ten years, I wouldn't have done it. I would have thought, oh my god, no, no, I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not investing ten years of my life. With no result, um, that feels too hard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay a lawyer. Uh, that's what I would have said. So thankfully, I didn't know.
0: <laughs> but do you think for entrepreneurs it's important to know that they have to make these sacrifices, or they can find a compromise in the middle, also have some friends and a successful business? Or how, how do you see? it? Is it a must to make these sacrifices?
1: Yeah, it is, right? Yeah, It's it unfortunately you can uh, have both worlds no you cannot you cannot have a a great family life uh, lots of time with your friends uh, lots of vacation and time off and free time and then and succeed in business I don't believe it's possible you may bump into someone who tells you that it worked for them but they just were lucky uh, most of the people i know they they did a lot of sacrifices at yeah. least for a while so for me that was too long uh, that's the sacrifice time has been too long i mean the sacrifice without the success was too long for me now yes. i have some level of success there's still a lot of sacrifice less than before but because i had the success and now i'm paid really well and now i have a big upside if i win I'm okay with the sacrifice because I'm like, yeah. I see the result. I see yes. The, the, yes. the prize, you know, yeah. uh, that. So, <laughs> eyes on so the prize. It's okay, it's okay yeah. to work 15 hours a day and, and on weekends because I see why I'm doing it. But when you do it for 10 years and there's nothing coming back at you, which is the majority of entrepreneurs, let's face it. The majority of entrepreneurs are super hardworking and they don't, they don't see a lot of success. That's the majority. And that means that you have to be ready for that and see that's okay. And, and you have to be happy with what you're going to learn doing this with that being the only expectation, not the money, not the financial success, not the fame, not anything else. Because if that is what you're going after and it's taking you 10 years, you're going to you're going to kill yourself of being depressed very quickly. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's super valuable. I have one last question for you. Uh, yep. What's your favorite SaaS product you use, but apart from Agora pools?
1: what my favorite SaaS products. So I have yes. obviously a ton of SaaS products. Um, let's say I like.
0: top three or the most yeah, favorite.
1: Let's, let's go top three. So I like Loom very much. I use a lot of Looms recording videos. I hate mm-hmm. their pricing. I think their pricing sucks. <laughs> uh, having a pricing that's per user and we, without any kind of discount, whether you have 10 users or 170 users makes it completely stupid because we started to use it and then all the people in my team started in my company started to use it as well. And then one day I saw the 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 invoice. I say, what the fuck? It's way too much money. So we had to go back and kill all the paid accounts. It's stupid. They should have pricing that's that goes down as you add more people. And so it's more reasonable. But I like the product. And I'm I'm if if someone listens to me, I want to do a loom that's priced intelligently or you know better please do it because there is a market there. Uh, their pricing is stupid.
0: You'll be the first uh, customer. Their product
1: is great. <laughs> so that's the problem. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, and, and on the on the product I lack like as well, I re- we recently subscribed to a product called Captain Data. And Captain Data is an <laughs> automation software that allows you to do a lot of, you know, list building, list enrichment with, with amazing uh, potential and capabilities. Yeah. I was blown away, by, but basically before them, I was doing all the list building and everything, enrichment with VAs in in, in the Philippines and in India, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, who are amazing and work for us full-time, but it was manual work and it was taking them weeks to get the data enriched and, and, and qualified. With Captain Data, it's basically taking you know hours or days, So so that's Really cool, and the founding team behind. I know the founding team. Uh, they're they're a cool, cool bunch of people. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I and obviously we use you know we spend a hundred k a month, more than a hundred k a month on on SaaS, and we use dozens and dozens of them. But those are those are the one. Captain Data is the latest one I discovered. I was I was a bit blown away by. Um, so that, it's it's this one I'm mentioning today, and and, and Loom is the one. You know, as a, as a person I'm using the most yes. on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to mention today on the podcast?
1: Uh, anything else I want to mention on the podcast. So if you are um, a business owner and you're trying to grow and you're trying to up your game as an operator in your business, you should listen to Leila Hormozy. She has a podcast um she's the wife of alex or mosey yes has two books and a podcast yep. so i both I, I was lucky enough to meet them in a in a coaching program in in the us uh two years ago, three years ago they're amazing she's amazing uh especially her because i i feel more aligned with her because i'm alex is like the creative genius i'm not a creative genius she's the operator i feel more like an operator <laughs> okay as well. okay uh, but her podcast is really cool and uh her her YouTube videos are really good, and she's a lot. She's inspired me a lot on a lot of things. And the crazy thing is, she's, she's barely she's thirty something, and I'm fifty something. I'm twenty years older, and she's the one inspiring me. So, if you're looking for interesting stuff, listen to her on on her podcast and try to um, uh, find her on on YouTube and watch a couple of videos. Then the algorithm will serve more of them. And uh, yeah, those are the two things I would share.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I enjoyed the conversation. It was amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Christian. <laughs>